The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel is Pat Scott. Hey, Pat. Hi there. Uh, so uh, it is Ash Wednesday as we were recording this. So uh, a blessed uh, uh, Lent, almost said Edmund, a blessed Lent to you all. Uh, it is an evening here, so I've been fasting all day. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a and happy Valentine's. It's happy Valentine's. I have a little low blood sugar right now, so uh, if, you know you have to excuse me if I, if I act a little loopy uh, in this show. But uh, but uh, no, we're, we're glad to, ha- to have all of you listeners here, and we're uh, happy to jump into Lent. And uh, uh, I I think there's a Lent angle to our topics today, but uh, I will get to that in a second. Before we do, I do want to mention that there is another show on this Tarquest Network. You are sure to enjoy called jimmy aiken's mysterious world which you can find wherever fine podcasts are found or at uh, mysterious.fm um and yeah we get some great topics by the way coming up in uh some really interesting mysteries coming up on the show so you should definitely check it out we've talked uh we've got an episode this very week if if you're listening uh the day this releases on pet telepathy it's kind of fascinating oh my goodness and then next week <laughs> is a really interesting one. There is a, there's a, there's a, a legend that a priest, not even just a legend, this was reported in all the newspapers of the day a hundred years ago or so. Uh, the fifth, uh, not the hundred years, I think it was the fifties. This priest reported that he had invented the chronovisor, a machine for looking at anything in the past and had proof. Let me just leave it there. This was a priest at the Vatican. So, uh, yeah, definitely check it out. <laughs> Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World. And you find that wherever, again, wherever fine podcasts are found or at mysterious.fm. So uh, we are not talking about chronovisors. Uh, chronovisor is kind of a tech thing. So I thought to give that a mention. But what you're talking about today is how do you find reliable news sources? And this is a tech topic because so much of our news we gather through social media, online, so much of that. And so much of it is a connected to the tech we use. And so I want to talk about how we can use our tech and to find good sources of news, reliable news sources. And uh, before we you know, talk about some of those, I'll first I'll give a little bit of my background in journalism. Uh, you know, I've been head of StarQuest Network for five years now. Uh, I've done podcasting for a long time. I worked at a diocese and parishes before that. But my background, my you know, original career was in journalism, Catholic journalism. I originally worked for the, the very first online Catholic news service back in the mid-90s. Yes, there was an online in the ni- mid-90s uh, called Catholic World News. Uh, the, the, actually, when we started, we were EWTN News. We, we were e- EWTN News, the two of us. Uh, then we became a independent Catholic World News. I worked for a, new, um, a magazine called Catholic World Report Magazine, where I was the editor for a time. I've worked in radio. I worked in local Catholic radio here in Boston. And then I've also done diocesan media and bulletins. I've done pretty much everything that you could consider media and journalism, except I kind of have done TV, but not really. I mean, I've, I've helped out a Catholic TV, the Catholic TV station here in Boston, but uh, that wasn't really my job. So that said, I've been involved in Catholic journalism, Catholic news for a long time. And so I bring that with me to this topic. Now, and we're not talking about just Catholic news. We're talking about all news. Pat, what is your relationship to the news? And when I, when I say that, it's like, the, are you a news junkie or are you just someone who casually follows the news? Uh, I set aside around an hour a day to go online and look at news sources that I trust. And other than that, unless there's a breaking news story, I don't pay attention to the news. I don't pay attention to news on social media. 
uh, if I see anything there that people are talking about, I'll go get off and go look at another source. But no, I'm not a news junkie. I'm yeah. I'm a let me know what is important, but I don't dwell on it. Yeah. If there's a, if there's an earthquake, I want to know about it. <laughs> right. That sort of thing. You know, uh, and that's actually a, a brings up the very first point is how much news is an, is good? How much news is enough for the average person? Do we do we need as much news as we're getting these days for most of us or many of us? Um, you know, do, do we should we be trying to consume as much news as we do? Uh, and and I bring that up because I find like a lot of people, friends and I find it with myself, even the longer I spend on certain social media, like especially like on tw Twitter, when I was really heavy into Twitter, which is all news, all news discussion, people talking about the news all the time. I found myself becoming anxious and stressed and getting into arguments with people online. And it wasn't good for me. I realized that having that much access to a constant stream of news articles and opinions about the news and all that sort of stuff left me unhappy, stressed, not, not, a, not in a good place. And I feel like that that's the first place to start with when you think when assessing reliable news sources is just to assess how much news do I need? Well, and that was a conscious decision on my part. In years past, I would spend a lot more time on it, and I just decided I needed to limit it. I needed to to get to places that were not emotionally charged news mm -hmm. sources and and just say, you know, get the high points of things, skim it, go into depth on the things I was interested in, but not, you know, don't listen to it on the radio, don't watch it on TV. Just get it kind of in a sense, uh, almost a passive news source, yeah. as opposed to being actively involved. You know, I, I I think back to how like my parents, who who were older than than you, my parents would get news or you are little. Yeah, <laughs> I'm being kind here. <laughs> Be kind to your mother-in-law, uh, and and how maybe how your parents got the news, which is they got a newspaper every day probably um and, and was, the radio and there was the radio um and then i remember as a kid we had the six o'clock news every day you know the 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 local news at six and the national news at seven for a half hour and that was it and that was all the news you needed and yeah we were we were not worse off for it we in fact we probably better off but because we have this 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 constant fire hose of news and information i think it makes us more anxious more i think so too prone yeah. also prone to manipulation and disinformation and uh i think that's not good for us individually or as a society right well that uh, i see people that are just totally you know absorbed by it and upset and you know getting getting really involved emotionally with the news and i, I can't think that that's good you know right. it's just it's and a lot of times especially on tv you see the same incident over and over and over again, and it starts taking on an importance in your mind that it wouldn't if you'd just seen it once. Right. Because, But they keep coming back to the same thing and showing a few more pictures or sometimes even just the same clips. Right. And as tragic as it is, do I need to know about the kidnapping of a child a thousand, two thousand miles away from me in 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 a form that is like this is a present danger and breaking news? And it's like it's a constant die to that. As a, like for example, just saying for that, like as a parent, it makes me more concerned, more worried that it, these sorts of bad things happening to kids is more frequent than it is. And it's not. And but it creates this this intensity in our minds. Well, and the other issue that is a, a current issue in, in for folks who are consuming news is siloing, which is getting your new all your news from one source or one kind of source that is biased or at least has a very narrow perspective. And so all you're getting is a very narrow perspective, a very narrow context, perhaps, or narrow interpretation of what's going on. And so you start to get this sense that things aren't the like you. you, you we end up having how many, what's the best way to put this? Sometimes we think this is the reality of the world because we're getting this constant flow of this one perspective. And you talk to someone who's getting a, a different one and their perception of the reality of the world is entirely different. They're living in a 
literally living in a different world and it's not literally, but in some sense living in a different world than I am because they're, they're getting a whole different, it's the same events, the same news, but the way that they're receiving it, the, what is being uh, fed to them about it is, is very different. And I think th- those are some, so you get disinformation and over a uh, fire hose of information and siloing of information. And I think those are the three big problems that I really think we can address. We're talking about finding reliable news sources. So, right. Um, so the, the first thing is to figure out what, what do I need to know? What do I need to follow? And I, I kind of categorize this three different, three different categories of news There's local news, national news and international news. And for me, the most important news is the local news. And I, I, I think a lot of people don't know, would, would maybe disagree, but I think the stuff that's happening in my town, well, first in my neighborhood, then in my town, and then in my state, those I think of those are the local issues that are most present to me, most affect me, my family, my work life, my professional life, that sort of thing. Uh, and so I categorize the importance of the news I get based on these levels. National news is next and international news is at that highest level. And um, and then I put r- r- news about my faith, the Catholic faith uh, on the same level. My parish, what's going on in my parish, what's going on in my diocese and what's going on in the church at large. And that's the. To me, in some senses, the least important news to me. Um, and so we can get into some of that as we go. But uh, I'm, I'm curious, do you have a categorization like that of the, the hierarchy or importance of news for you? Well, I can see where local news is things not only that affect me personally, but that I could have some impact on. And so that's that's one of the things about local news is that, mm. you know, I see something, I, I react to it. And maybe if it's something that uh, I might participate in, yep. you know, if, if there's an event coming up that I say, oh, this is something I really should be involved in, where you can't do that with national and, and international news. So I see that as being uh, pretty important. Yeah. Uh, I think it can get down to too small a microcosm neighborhood news. Sometimes the, some of the news <laughs> groups and stuff that cater to those, I am not going to spend my time on no. lost dogs anymore, you know, <laughs> right. uh, or who's parked outside of my house. That, yeah. uh, th- those are just unhealthy news sources. Those go from at that point. Yeah. Those go from news to gossip and rumor and that's sort of right. Thing. Yeah. And, that's and, true. And, yeah. Rumor mongering. A lot of it. Yeah. And, uh, and prejudice. There's a lot of prejudicial things that show up in, in the neighborhood news. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm not real happy about. Right. So with that case, like, like, uh, Facebook groups for your town or your neighborhood or, um, Oh, what is the app? The, um, neighborhood Na- next door. Uh, Next door. Yeah. Next door. That, yeah. That's what I couldn't think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I use those as a infrequent source of, I need to check out to see who's recommending such and such a plumber or whatever, you know, right. that type of thing. Yeah. That's a good point. Very good point. So how do we, how do we assess what makes a reliable news source? And so I've got some steps, you know, I can mention some things I want to mention. You know, first is to think about what is their, uh, their authority and reputation. So where do they get their news from? Where, what is their source of news? Do they have their own independent reporters who go out reporting? Do they get it from wire services? Are they just repackaging, repeating stuff they get over like for press releases or over a wire service? You know, sometimes you see um, in Google news, you'll see these stories like the, the Hindustan times reporting on some thing going on in, Chicago and you're like mm, what is that we I had this this one thing where people were freaking out because there was a story about this Catholic priest in Boston who was denying something about the Trinity uh, the doctrine of the church and I'm like yeah uh, and it was like in this like Indian Daily Times or India Daily Times thing and I'm like it's not relevant <laughs> yeah well also I, I i double checked but there was no priest by that name there is no parish by that name like this never happened it just was completely made right. up from whole cloth so like what is the source of the news where's where's this news coming from who what is their reputation um that that's really you know do they have a reputation for accuracy and 
of course, longevity alone isn't everything. There, there are, there are media sources out there who are over a hundred years old, whose accuracy I don't Brand. necessarily <laughs> trust. Right, right. So, um, so, th- so that's one thing. And also, beware of soundbiting, and not just like this isn't just a thing in the TV. It started with TV news, but um, snippets of news that don't give enough context that 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 are like social media posts or memes or infographics you you know they they're cited with authority according to new, you know newsweek magazine 5 out of 10 blonde people are secretly mass murderers oh my goodness no like <laughs> what's the source yeah. of that you know uh, where where's that data come from is that an accurate quote or and, and so that sort of thing you have, this is a little bit of skepticism has to be built in as well to when you assess news and news sources. Um, so, uh, so there's that. Then um, one of the things I would recommend too is avoid the silo problem by consulting a variety of news sources across multiple viewpoints, you know, whether you think of in, in terms of liberal or conservative or, you know, West Coast, East Coast, North and South, um, Pats fan, Giants fan, Yankees fan, Sox fan, you know, whatever it is, multiple sources, multiple viewpoints. Are, and then ask yourself, are they all reporting the same story? Are they reporting it the same way? How do they differ? Why do you think those stories are different? And, so, you know, ask yourself these things. And I do this all the time. I will look at new, the news my my as you mentioned your habit i have a habit of, of of every morning i um i consult my news sources and we'll talk about the ones we you and i both you know we'll both talk about the ones we prefer uh in a little bit but i consult them and then i and i see the same story crop up across them and i think and i think to myself well that's interesting that this one quotes this person here and says this about the issue but this one doesn't and then they say something they, and then they reveal this interesting detail that the first one didn't and and now i start to get a bigger picture of what's going on that kind of cuts across viewpoint bias shall we say um right so uh so that it, it, it's i think it's a really important thing is to avoid falling into the silo of 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 uh news media and of the of various biases bias alone is not bad we all have our biases or we're all, we're all have our viewpoints. Um, you know, no, I don't think any news source is completely objective. They should strive for objectivity. Um, but you gotta, you know, you just gotta, you gotta be careful as you, as you read them, how biased are they? Right. So, so um, there, in speaking of bias, there, there is a chart uh by the, the uh, a company or a website called allsides.com they have a media bias chart and they take some of the bigger or more well-known media sources and they place them on a chart from you know uh hard left wing leaning left center right leaning in in hard right or i don't know if they say hard but but you know left and right uh and they place them on the t- and i look at the chart and I'm, i mostly agree with it a few things I'm a little like, that's a little odd that you put that one way over there. I think that guy should be a little over there, but mostly it's, it's pretty good. Although um, other people dispute the, um, uh, you know, journalists dispute the usefulness or fairness of a, of these media bias charts. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. I've seen several things that, that, that do try to say which ones tend to be objective and which ones tend to have a particular, uh, a slant or a particular focus that is different from the rest and and um it it does help to kind of re reassess which ones you're looking at right, right. yeah like this one the chart puts newsweek as a center uh and reuters uh in you know in the center uh you know as sort of un unbiased and i'm thinking mm, those seem a little more left leaning to me those should be a little more to the left and you know uh it that doesn't seem like the the right place for it but again people's opinions will vary so that that's fine um it, the idea is right, to you just, might have columnists in there that, that some of the columnists lean one way some of the other and overall the whole 
organization or the whole uh, news source is is a combination of fairly right. middle. Right. But, but you could have individuals in there that uh, that have their own their own pitch. And they do they do break out some of the sources like Wall Street Journal. They break out their news from opinion. So they know their their opinion uh, uh, sections lean right. But their news is more center, uh, you know, more, uh, you know, unbiased either either direction, which is uh, interesting. And the, so and they do they do that with several of the uh, of the different organizations. So, uh, yeah, a couple more points. Just because you di- disagree with a new a, a, a the the viewpoint or bias or however you want to put it of a particular news source doesn't make them wrong. But just because they might be they might be wrong, and just because they're wrong, sometimes doesn't mean you shouldn't see what still shouldn't see what they have to say. You know what I mean? So sometimes you disagree with their viewpoint. They, they make an assertion in a news story and you say, no, 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 that's wrong. But that doesn't mean that, um, that they are. So like, so you gotta be, you gotta be open-minded, put it that way. Um, but you also have to, uh, be wary that, you know, when they are wrong, you, you still need to know what people are saying, uh, so be, that you d- disagree with. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Does that come across, Pat? Is is that clear? Yeah, I I understand what you're saying, that that basically, even though you disagree with them, they may have points that you need to hear because you've got other people that you are around you that you need to know what the the rest of the world is thinking. You need to know and be aware so that you can look at your own points and say, maybe I missed something. Maybe I maybe uh, they've got a point there. So it's 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 good to to look at at a lot of sides. The other thing I wanted to mention is that I've become aware more recently that there are internationally a lot of, quote, news sites, unquote, that that really aren't news sites as much as they are a way to advertise. And so they will take things and uh, come up with little snippets of news, but you'll see the same snippets in a whole bunch of news sources the exact same snippets. And they're basically an advertising thing that happens to have news in there to make it look like they're genuine. Yeah. I think that's what that India times or the, what I was telling that story before, I think that's what it was. It was, you know, making news like items that drag in clicks. It's clickbait so that you, they can show their ads and make money off the ad bait. Yeah. Right, because they're they're hoping that somebody will get there by a search, and then they'll be think, oh, here's a good news source, you know, that type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So uh, another another point is um, reliable news sources are transparent about their editorial process and are accountable for their mistakes. In other words, they note their mistakes. They are clear, and when they make corrections, and they're clear and prominent notices of corrections that they're made um they should have clear corrections policies and update their stories when new information becomes available and let you know that they've updated it those are important uh, aspects of it and instead of yeah instead of burying it somewhere yeah right right you know <laughs> page three in very small print we 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 changed the story um yeah so uh, i already mentioned you know make sure that, you know if they the news outlet discloses their sources how they gather and verify their information. Verification is very important. Uh, so that's important to know. Um, another interesting thing to think about is who owns the this uh, news outlet? Um, where do they get their money from? Uh, because that can reveal potential conflicts of interest and in, uh, in bias in their reporting. Um, you know, I, I take any news about Amazon from uh, the, the Washington Post with a huge grain of salt. Because it's owned by Jeff Bezos. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're biased, but it just means I take it with a grain of salt. The fact that they're owned by them, you know, it's just I have to, you know, uh, I if, if there's news reporting about the Amazon, I look at another source as well, because that just need yeah, I just have to know who the owner is. I just saw something about um, George Soros buying a bunch of radio stations, in, in, including the ones in Boston. Um, George Soros has a particular reputation as being a uh, very left left leaning uh, liberal and and uh, liberal activist billionaire. That's going to mean I'm going to take things that happen at those stations and in their reporting with a grain of salt. 
you know, that sort of thing. So it doesn't mean that necessarily the people who work there don't have integrity. I'm not saying that, but it just means I have to weigh that in the balance. So um, important to important to understand. So uh, we at this point, we should talk about some of the news sources that we consult, Pat, and uh, I've got. I've got kind of an extensive list. So I uh, see you do. <laughs> yeah, the, and I, I, I check them all every day, but I'll let you go first. Cause you have a, I think you have a shorter list than I do. Well, and yeah, uh, basically the, one of the first places you talked about checking a lot of different uh, opposing views, et cetera. I find that Google news, it draws from lots of sources. If you look at a particular topic, you've got 10 or 12 articles and then you can see more even than those. But then you can look through the, you know, do a quick skim and see, see what things, as you say, are common or different. And, but that gives me a quick overview of the topics that might be helpful to know for me to be looking at. And, uh, they have a local section and, and a national section and an international too. So that same, place that I go can give me a lot of different sources with a lot of different backgrounds. Uh, and so that's one of the first places I look. And if I'm, uh, if I'm strapped for time, that's that I'll, I'll do that and then go on. But then uh, basically I've been using like BBC looking at how does a different nation see the news from us, not just a different news sources within our nation. Because a lot of times what a international news source may see things in some in some particular lights that maybe internally people in the, that are inside the system don't notice or don't see. So I like to look at uh, BBC's uh, as well. So those are the two biggest ones that I use. Mm-hmm. I do use Reuters some, but uh, again, uh, I have looked at several of the things that ranked it as kind of being in the middle. So that's one of the reasons that I, that I picked it as a possible. Mm-hmm. The other thing uh, is I do have several news feeds that I get in email that I will quickly kind of go through. And some of them uh, try to do a lot of fact checking in there. You know, at the end of the articles, they'll do some fact checking on various different things too. And I found that helpful. Interesting. So. You know, the, the nice thing, with, so with the BBC, I find that their international coverage, so coverage of news outside of the UK and outside the US, tends to be um, a little better than most American news sources. Yeah. Uh, and and they, they go in more in depth. There's less bias, I find, in any either direction in their international reporting. I don't, you know, I, I don't I can't speak for their internal uk reporting and whatnot but um but it's also like the the bbc reporting on american uh news but also the guardian i find to be interesting sometimes in fact we have a guardian story or the daily mail uh which i know has got a reputation as being tabloidy but sometimes it has interesting reporting that their first perspectives yeah. they're reporting on an american story that isn't being reported on in american sources which i find fascinating sometimes so it's interesting sometimes to get their stuff yeah and i've also heard al jazeera being mentioned as a another international news source that that takes a different look at 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 the, the news from internal stuff but yeah. i i haven't been paying attention to that but i've heard heard of that yeah I, I i would take them with a big grain of salt because you know yes i think it would be interesting to look at the news from their perspective but not alone you know just to get a different perspective right. especially on things that are uh being reported on outside of conflict areas uh once they once you get into the reporting on conflict areas it gets you know war propaganda is a thing you know so it it, it gets a little harder no, but, yeah I, I, yeah but it, the perspective is interesting so I want to mention one source that I don't actually use right now, but I might start using it, but I had recently had it recommended to me. It's called ground.news. That's the, that's the URL ground news. Uh, and what they do is they try to uh, cover the, every side of this, of every story. Whereas they, they show they, they what they do is they have um uh multiple sources they report it like a summary and then they have links to multiple sources and they show like how much of the coverage of the story is from left-leaning sources how much is from right-leaning sources and then they grade each of the sources that they link to so for example here's a story on uh biden temporarily 
temporarily protects Palestinians in the U.S. from deportation amid conflict abroad. Now, then there's a, there's a summary under it, and you can click three one of three buttons, left, center, or right, and see the story rephrased left from a left point of view, a center point of view, and a right point of view, which is an interesting thing to do to, to kind of get how would different viewpoints see this so that's kind of interesting but then you get a list of articles 32 articles about this from sources like fox news cbs news breitbart wbir which must be a radio station um you know that sort of thing so going all the way down and then it talks about each of them uh so fox news media conglomerate murdoch family uh you know owned by the murdoch family mixed factuality right wing media conglomerate Rupert Murdoch. So it puts these tags on it. CBS News, uh, media conglomerate owned by National Amusements, high factuality, leans left, so on and so forth. So it's an interesting way of presenting the news based on uh, letting you know who the owners of these news organizations are, how do they generally and their lean, reputation. <laughs> and their reputation for factuality. Um, now, yeah. fact-checking is is a whole other area of concern uh so uh, you know i don't want to get into that here that's a whole nother um thing to get into about fact checking but it also lets you you know gives you so there's 32 total articles then you can tell it show me all the left-leaning ones show me all those center ones show me all the right ones the right-leaning ones uh and it's so it's an interesting way to look at the news I, i may start checking this out uh regularly but that's not one i look at now I looked at it for a while. I think I got on one of their newsletters and after about two weeks, I, I realized I, I, I was getting too many news sources. So I cut back on some and that was one of the ones I cut back on. I just didn't seem I I get kind of the same thing when I'm doing Google News in the sense that I've got, you know, 20 yeah. articles that I can go look at. And and now, of course, it they're not evaluating whether they're right or left, but I have the ones that I feel like are, you know, right. that I would want to get balancing viewpoints from. And, and, you know, to be honest, it seems like a lot of work. You know, each story has like a lot of stuff going on. I think I was overwhelmed by that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not sure I want to do that much work. Um, so here's some other sources I look at. And my sources range the, the ideological gamut, um, in, in from the, the secular news. And I also have some Catholic news sources that I follow as well. So the first one I, I want to mention is called 1440 Daily Digest at join1440.com. And what I like about this one is it's a daily email. It usually has two or three major stories, uh, you know, the big stories of the day that it, it in condensed form with links to learn to, to other news sources. So it's sort of aggregating. Um, then it has business like snippets, science, uh, and then some fun stories at the end, you know, and there's sports and that sort of thing. Uh, all very, very brief, but the, the, it's, it's a news curator, but the best thing about it is they work really hard to have, be as, as they say, unbiased as humanly possible. They are presenting the facts of the story. Um, and so I could just, so you can get just the basic, factual information about what's going on without having to worry about getting a viewpoint imposed on top of it. And that's one of the things I really like about 1440. It's, it's quick. Uh, you can read it, you know, in a few minutes, but it's uh, really, um, it's unbiased. And I like that. So it kind of gives me, I start there and I get an unbiased start to the news day. Uh, I've forgotten. I get that one every day, too. And yeah. that's probably the, the first thing I do before I go to, to Google News, actually. Yeah. So, yes, it's really good. I recommend it. So uh, another one I look at. So I'm, I live in the Boston area and I read the Boston Globe, which is a, you know, a, a long lived newspaper. I get the e-paper, which comes via either uh, an app. I have an iPad app and it has the newspaper layout format. Uh, it's really nice when it when it works. Uh, the the iPad app is a little buggy, but um, you get the newspaper format. And then when you want to read a story, you just tap on the article and it makes it like in a reader form where it fills the screen and the text goes all the way across and you can read the whole article. Um, I, I really I really enjoy reading the paper that way. I like the newspaper format. I'm old school, but I like having it in electronic form. And I can also read it in my web browser the same way. They have an e-paper format in the browser too. Uh, so uh, 
now the globe is left leaning there's no there's no two bones about it they they are a liberal newspaper in a liberal in a liberal town so uh and that's okay i sometimes it gets a little angry <laughs> i'll be honest uh like oh this is, i pull my hair out this is so this is so uh this biased but I'm getting a different viewpoint. I'm seeing how other people see the news, see how the the, the world is working. And I think it's important. I, I want to see their point of view. Um, now, from a more conservative uh, viewpoint, I look at something called The Dispatch at thedispatch.com. You have to put the the in there. Uh, this is a project of... Um, some conservative writers who a few years ago put this together. It's it's a lot of it is a, is a op-ed opinion writing, but they do some news reporting and they send out a daily email called the dispatch, uh, the daily dispatch, where they 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 give you summaries of news stories, uh, national, international. Uh, it tends to lean right, although they are. Um, I don't want to, I don't like to get too much into politics, but just to, so people understand where they're coming from, they're um, they're anti-Trump, you know, so they're a right-leaning non-Trump uh, news source, to put it that way. And uh, I find their viewpoint interesting. I don't always agree with them, but I but I find that they provide an interesting counterpoint to the Globe, the Boston Globe. Uh, I sometimes will also look at the Boston Herald, which is the conservative local newspaper here in Boston. Um, and and you know, I look at occasionally during the day. I'll look at Apple News. I'll uh, you know, I don't if if there's breaking news that that's always the hard one for me. Where do I go for breaking news? I tend to go to CNN when some when there's a big story. Something big in the world, a disaster or, you know, a big event. I tend to go to, to CNN now more than ever because Fox News has put even more stuff behind a paywall, frankly. And I find it annoying uh, the way their, their website's set up. So, um, yeah. So those are the, the the secular sources I generally consult. As far as Catholic sources, I have a few. Um, I I really enjoy the Pillar Catholic, PillarCatholic.com. Uh, I find their news their news reporting to be uh, in depth uh, and uh, factual. Uh, of course, I, I have to you know uh, my my uh, heart and roots of of journalism are in the Catholic World News, which became eventually became Catholic News at CatholicCulture.org. Um, they do more news aggregating where it's links to other sources, but their the curating that they do is really good. Um, I I get an email daily from an organization called catholicvote.org. They are very conservative politically. Um they have the, you know the loop newsletter, but again I find it important to know what they're writing, what they're talking about. Uh, I find it is very informative to me even when I disagree with the the way that they phrase things or the or the 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 perspective that they may have on a news story. Um, for general Catholic news, I like osvnews.com from our Sunday visitors, uh, the organization. And uh, they they basically are uh, Catholic, what, what used to be Catholic News Service, which was run by the Bishop's Conference. Uh, and then the Bishop's Conference shut that down. And OSV News hired a lot of people and started this news service themselves. So they, they it's sort of, um, they tend to be, very middle of the road in their uh, approach. I don't tend to read the liberal news, Catholic news. I just, there's only so much time in the day. (laughs) (laughs) So those are the sources I consult regularly, pretty much daily. Uh, I spend, you know, maybe half an hour to 45 minutes a day going through it actually longer than that because I read the newspaper at lunch. Uh, that's when I read the pay, the, the globe. Um, cause I also do my crossword then. Um, so uh, probably, probably 45 minutes to an hour a day. One of the nice things as a subscriber to the pillar, they have a daily newsletter, email newsletter called starting seven, which kind of summarizes the news of the day, uh, the Catholic news of the day, which is really, uh, really handy, really well done. So, so those are the, uh, the reliable news sources that I, that that Pat and I consult and uh, the way we, we, we uh, assess them. 
Well, and when there's uh, breaking Catholic news, I usually try to hit the Vatican, uh, you know, the, their, their news source. Uh, I don't tend to read a lot of, of online Catholic news sources. I'll have to admit I'm, I'm deficient in that. But uh, I try to, to, uh, to, to look for that where I can. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. So good. So, folks, well, you know, what do you use for your news sources? I'd love to, to hear from you or any of the uh, ways that you get your news, how you assess news. Does Is news important to you? Do you limit the amount of news that you get to to decrease stress and anxiety? Let us know. Uh, and uh, you know, we'd, we'd love to follow up on this story in the future. And you can do that by emailing us at technology at sqpn.com. So before we move on, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Andrew E., Christopher V., Natalie B., Cesar T., and Ann S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So let's take a look at some headlines. Our first headline comes from the Guardian newspaper. And it, the headline is Substack faces user revolt over anti-censorship stance on neo-Nazis. So the story is that Substack, which, um, how did best describe it? It's like Substack is kind of the um, the successor to blogs for many people. It's a, It's a place where you can set up your own uh, a blog-like newsletter where you you publish to this site, and then you um, it can send out an email, you know, of your of your writings, and you can also charge people to um, if you if you like to view if if they wish to view some of your stuff or all of your stuff, you can put it behind a paywall, or you can make it free. So, um, Substack is has a very broad censorship policy in the sense of they, they, they're very free speech oriented. They're very uh, pro free speech and they, they take a, they, it's very, they, hmm, how to best to put it. They have said that they will remove like most extreme views, but they, it, they, it have to be the extreme views. And some people don't like that. They don't like the fact that, uh, Substack doesn't censor people that they think should be censored. And so a number of the users, including some of the largest users, have said that they, they might boycott Substack. Uh, now, uh, one thing that's happened uh, since this story broke, uh, this, this originally started about a month ago, um, Substack has since taken down some of the... Uh, neo-Nazi newsletters, or the, at least several of them, um, but most of them are fairly small, had under 100 regular view, uh, subscribers or whatever, um, and but said they will not censor right-wing publishers, uh, as, the, as a lot of these folks want them to do. Pat, what do you think of this? This is a line, you know, that, that uh, here of, do we censor you know, where do we draw the censorship line? When do we start saying, you know, this viewpoint uh, is fine, but this one a little t- to the side of that, to the left or right of that one is no longer fine. What do you think of the line that, th- that they have to walk? It, is it better to not have a line mm-hmm. at all and just let, let it, the, the market decide? It's hard to know because, you know, there are some things people would say, yes, definitely we need to censor pornography. And then you say, I, I also think we should censor extreme violent things, you know, so that's two markers. Okay. Then you start getting on either side of that and that starts getting real fuzzy because you don't want, you know, you do need a a place where forums and people can discuss things and come to their own decision. You know, the cream comes to the top and the other direct gets down to the bottom. Uh, But the idea being is, is that you need a broad place where you can have a lot of different viewpoints and that type of thing. But yeah, extreme violence and and uh, you know cruelty, et cetera, or extreme uh, misuse of of you know you know pornography and that type of thing. It's it's hard to to 
other than those two things, it's really hard to, to, to say where, the, where there should be any censorship. I think probably the marketplace is, is probably about the best, but you do get these little enclaves of things that are t- tempest in a teapot sometimes that, mm-hmm. that do boil over and, and might incite something violent, and you don't want that. Right. I mean, what you get is like, what, you, what you're getting here in Substack is you have a bunch of people who disagree with some viewpoints and saying, I don't want to be on the same platform as people with that viewpoint. And I don't I think just yeah, that to me, that just says so that, you know, well, don't don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or, you know, yeah, I mean, move then. I mean, that, if that's the you know, don't be on that platform, go to another platform, but don't yes. censor other people, I think. Right. I mean, there there is odious stuff out there. And, you know, do do we this stuff that I think is awful and gross. But I don't know that I want to start getting in the business of saying and you're not allowed to publish because there are people who think that my beliefs are odious and gross, you know. Uh, right. And, and that, so where does it where does it end? Uh, so I, I, it's it's very tricky. And, you know, if as a, I'm glad I'm not in the business of being a publisher like Substack is or, or a. Not, not so much a publisher as a a, um, a platform like Substack or Facebook or Twitter, because it's really hard out there today to, to to deal with these competing pressures that they're dealing with. Well, and like, you know, you, we mentioned Facebook, you know, you get to the other point where all of a sudden everybody, you know, things are being censored and we don't even know why. You know, there's there's things that uh, that are uh algorithms or whatever that uh are, are are blocking things that there's no sense in blocking you know yes right yeah they, they just today i was your daughter had posted a, a beautiful painting of a landscape you know uh, <laughs> and it was like facebook blocked it as sensitive content and i'm like were the trees too sensuous or something like what is what is going well, on the other day there was there was a fish fishing nets and a and a fishing knife, and we figured that the, the knife was violence, and that's oh, that's yeah. why they, you know, it's it's, it's crazy. I, well, I've got some I've some people that post golfing uh, little clips of what when they're doing miniature golf, and and all of a sudden they're being rejected for being inappropriate, and nobody knows why. Maybe the word hole is coming up. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but and something's triggering them. That's the worst part is, is you don't is is these algorithms won't tell you what's wrong. Like, uh, then explain to me what I did wrong so I don't make the same mistake again. You know, you know, so right. I don't I don't violate the, the the rule, but they don't even tell you that. So yeah, no. So our next headline is from Reuters, and it says uh, the Biden administration to unveil contractor rule that could upend the gig economy. Now, what's going on here is that the Labor Department is wants to reclassify contract workers, people who drive for Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, all these people, reclassify them as employees, not contractors. And that triggers a whole new level of regulation and laws and things that these companies have to do. Uh, and they did issue the rule, uh, which upended, which which reversed a Trump-era rule. So the rule is, says that, um, where, where, where's it go? Uh, da, da, da. I'm trying, trying to see the the rule. So the, the old rule said that workers who own their own businesses or have the ability to work for competing companies, such as a driver who works for Uber and Lyft, can be treated as contractors. Uh, they, but the new rule takes that out and says that uh, no, uh, that violated federal court decisions and that uh, workers have to be given a minimum wage and have to get coverage of you know benefits and, and all yes, all kinds of things like that for for people who are you know having side hustles basically and you know driving part time and. Uh, what do you think of this, Pat? I mean, are are you know Lyft drivers and Uber drivers and DoorDash drivers should they be treated as employees or contractors? Are they are they better? Like some people say, treating them as contractors benefits the companies, but maybe not. You maybe it's better for the workers too. What do you think? I tend to want to say they should be treated as contractors because 
it, unless the company tells them specifically, here you are, you have to be here at certain times, you have to uh, do these particular jobs, et cetera. Unless they lay out a structure, to me, it's it's not really an employee employer relationship. If if they're at will in in terms of I can choose to take this job or not, or I can choose to be here these hours or not, that's a gig. That is a contractor. That's not the same as somebody who says, I'm your boss. You have to follow these rules. Right. Now, I understand the, the part, the, the quandary of the individual out there that that's all they're doing and they don't have insurance benefits. That's a problem with our society that we can't manage to handle dealing with helping people get insurance when when they need it for their families. But that's a separate issue from the gig versus contractor to me. I mean, the employee versus gig type. Yeah. I, and I did find the, what the old rule said. It, it gave weight to how much control workers have over their job duties and their opportunities for profit or loss in determining whether they were contractors or employees. So, in other words, I decide when I'm, you know, an Uber driver decides when they want to drive and when they don't want to drive. They can decide whether they want to drive in this area or that area. They have the control over their over how they conduct their job. They don't have a boss telling them what to do. And I think that is an essential element of contractor versus employee. Right. Um, they can, they come and go as, as, as they wish in many cases. And so I, now, when they're on a job, they may have to have regulations about what, how, what they're doing in that role at that moment. Right. You know, like, you know, uh, they have to, to keep track of this and, or they have to report in on that. But, you know, if, the, if they're free to take or decline jobs, uh, or hours, then that to me is 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 a, a contractor. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think, you know, if you classify them as employees with minimum wage and benefits, you're going to have a lot fewer of these people out there. And companies like, you know, when you, if you rely on Uber or Lyft or DoorDash, and a lot of elderly people rely on Uber and Lyft, by the way, to get around these days. There are fewer taxis, and there are people who out there who don't have cars who rely on these to get around. You're going to have a lot fewer of them. They're going to be a lot more expensive. You know, yeah, the cost is going to go really high if you just tie it bound down to being employer type thing. Yeah, yeah. So and then our uh, third headline is uh, from The New York Times, and it's the this is an article titled, I was addicted to my smartphone, so I switched to a flip phone for a month. And it tells the tale of this uh, this journalist who works for the, the New York Times, who outlines how much time, like a lot of us, how much time she was spending on her iPhone, you know, and she's looking at screen time and, you know, she was spending more than five hours a day on it. And it tells you how many times you picked it up. I was looking at mine. She was saying that she um, she has it told her she had 100 pickups a day. She pick up her phone to use it 100 times a day. I looked at mine and I use mine a bit. I mean, I, I use mine throughout the day. Um, mine is about 50 times a day. I, I pick up my phone, but I have more hours in use. But I think that's because I play podcasts through it all day. Um, I noticed that it had my like overcast as the um, uh, you know, hours top hours. app. <laughs> yeah, hours and hours and hours a day. So uh, I'm, I'm not physically holding the phone, but I do use it more than I want. So she's decided to to have an experiment. Go to a phone that only does phone calls. It's like the old style. It makes phone calls. You can text, but you have to do that with only the nine keys or the the ten keys, ten key texting. You know, you hit the uh, the one key three times to get a C. You know that whole thing. Um, and she did it for a month, and and kind of relates what it was like and the the problems. We are definitely in a time where we are reliant on these phones for a lot of things. She couldn't charge her electric car because it requires an app to. Get the, the to get the charger started. She couldn't log into the New York Times content management system because it requires a two-factor authentication. However, she found that she was spending more time reading books, and her her child said that she was spending more time talking to her child and and playing games with her even. And she was more likely to make a phone call and talk to someone at length having heart to heart conversations rather than a quick text that you throw off here and there. Uh, on the other hand, she found that she would have to leave voicemails for people when, when it, she would have previously texted and some people weren't listening to the voicemails. So uh, good and bad, but uh, Pat, what do you think? I mean, 
should we all have a a flip phone that we switch to for a month to kind of break our bad habits? Uh, I think this is a little extreme. You could do something like uh, I'll get an iPhone and not put any other apps on it, just the stock phone. And then you could kind of pro- probably accomplish the same thing. Mm. Uh, and so that's the thought. And I know some people like for Lent have talked about removing all their game apps and removing all their news apps and just keeping certain things on the phone just to help them to discipline. I don't think you need to go to a flip phone. For one thing, they're becoming a little bit extinct. Uh, uh, there's not as many of them <laughs> around anymore. Although they say they're kind of coming back because there are more and more younger people. The article talks about there are more and more younger people who grew up with a smartphone. You know, they got a smartphone when they were 11 or 12, and now they're in their young adult year, and they're like, I don't want to be bound to this. I want a, I want a dumb phone. And so you're starting to see more and more of them out there. But you're right. Oh, really? You, you know, the, one of the things they talk about in the article that researchers have found is that even if you switch your phone from full color to grayscale, which you can do in the accessibility, right? Um, it makes you less likely, to, it makes the phone less attractive, less likely to pick up your phone, which is, you know, interesting. And I know a lot of people do that for Lent. They, yeah, they go gray I've for Lent. Yeah, i that, yeah. Yeah, so. Right. Um, it's interesting to, to, to think about. Uh, like things like, some of the stuff she talks about takes me back like when you needed directions she would have to go to google maps and print them out remember remember printing out map quest directions back in the day yeah (laughs) my car with my glove box would be filled with old directions from places i I, I had the maps go maps you know the great big old books that i carried around with me and uh that was of course then there's the foldable maps that uh i used to that was before the maps go even yeah uh where you just ever every city would have their own map and and you just had to have the ones for all the places that you were going to be going. Yeah, I, I remember going on my honeymoon in 2005. <laughs> I mix that up. 2005, when uh, we had the AAA triptychs to drive all the right. way up to Nova Scotia. I loved the triptychs. Yeah. Oh, I loved them. <laughs> they don't do them anymore, you know, because no one needs them. Uh, right. That was actually the subject of a funny scene in a Mark Wahlberg movie that was on Apple TV recently, Apple TV Plus, uh, where he, he, he was a undercover secret agent and even his family didn't know and they were being tracked by people trying to kill him and so he had to throw away all of their phones and so they were completely reliant on old technology so he goes to the equivalent of a triple a and he's trying to get a triptych and the guy's like we don't have that like he goes to an old file cabinet and blows the dust off and you know the whole thing it was it was pretty funny Hilarious. Well, I think it's good to be mindful and that, you know, her experiment reminds us we need to be mindful about what we're doing and and maybe look at it as a is an opportunity to scale back what is is not benefiting us. Right. Turn off more notifications. Be more intentional about when you pick it up. Take take certain apps off the phone that you that you that are the type of app that you might get sucked into. Social yeah. media apps are especially notorious for that. I, I, I'm the same way. I should, there's a couple I should probably delete off my phone, at least for Lent and maybe longer. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, I, I do more book reading. Um, very good. So, uh, well, and of course, we'll have links to all these stories in our show notes. But uh, as we move on, it is time for our picks of the week. And uh, Pat, uh, you normally uh, you would be. As the uh, I'm, as the host, I go last. So, Pat, you are up first. What is your pick this week? <laughs> well, uh, I've had some people that uh, were concerned when they go to download something that is it safe or that type of thing. And there is an, a website out there that I was reminded of recently called Virus Total that you can take a file that you were downloading or even a URL and submit it to there and it will tell you whether it's safe or not. It runs it through about 25 different virus programs, antivirus programs to let you know whether this looks safe or which ones pinged it. And maybe that was because of advertising stuff as opposed to viral stuff, et cetera. So I will uh, put that link in the show notes. But uh, I found that for a lot of my people these days, security and safety Safety is becoming a lot more important to them as they get hacked. <laughs> right, right. So uh, that's really good. Yeah, it's being being more mindful of the stuff that you're downloading and more, you know, uh, intentional about making sure that stuff is safe. That's really important. Very good. 
So mine is, um, I'm trying to remember if I mentioned this. I, it might have been on my list of, of things to talk about at some point. But there's a website called eSIMDB. I think I have talked about it, where you can, you know, most modern smartphones now use eSIMs, electronic SIMs. They don't use the physical SIM cards anymore. Um, and one of the things that when you travel, like if you travel overseas, you get there, you you, you don't necessarily want to use your home uh, data, your know, phone and data plan, because they, they'll often have international plans, but they're really expensive. And maybe you want to get a local plan for data. And maybe if you're traveling in a group or with family, you want to be able to text each other uh, you know, uh, locally or use shared data or that sort of thing. So you get an eSIM when you get to the country of your choice or that sort of thing. But, but I, and eSIMDB.com is a great place to shop for those. But I have a different tip, which is, um, I off, I have Mint Mobile as my, um, my carrier of choice for my phone. I had AT&T before that. And I often found myself at times, Unable to get online with my phone. Now, I do a lot of uh, scouting events, BSA scouts, and a lot of these events take place in the woods, far away from everything else. And uh, and I would often have trouble getting online. And then I'd you know, run into someone else and, what you know, they're online. Like, what do you have? Oh, I have Verizon. I, I have a signal here. Oh, I wish I had Verizon at this moment that I could get online or, you know, various things like that. So what I realized is, is I could get uh, a, an eSIM for tr- for when I'm traveling inside the U.S. to places where there are not good signals for my carrier. So I found Nomad at getnomad.app, and it's a it's a re- very reasonably priced service. And what happened? What they do is the, they'll sell you an eSIM of various denominations, um, and you can get you know different amounts of data over different periods of time. You can get it for a week. You can get it for a month. You get ten gigs, five gigs. It's all you know all these different amounts. You can get da- you know a data plan. You can get an SMS plan. So for example, if um let's see in the U.S. so they they can do international plans, but in the U.S. I can get a data plan that uh, right now ten gigs for thirty days for twenty dollars. Um, but usually what I do is I get a, 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 a shorter plan. Like I do, like, uh, if I'm go, just going for the weekend, I get a seven day plan for, and a gig, a gig of data, or I'll get like a five gig plan for $14, which is a 30, 30 days. If I'm, you know, going to summer camp or go just going for a weekend camping. And one of the nice things about it is the eSIM comes, it works on multiple, some of them work on multiple carriers. So it'll, It'll connect to the best signal where you're at. So if the best signal is on AT&T, it'll connect to AT&T. If the best signal is on Verizon, it'll connect to Verizon and so on. And so I find this to be really great. And it, the this setup, at least on the iPhone and I'm sure on Android too, is really great because you, you get the app or you can do it on their website. And then it, it's, it walks you through setting up the, the second eSIM. And so it's just, it doesn't replace your primary number. That's, that, that's what I was wondering was whether it was a replacement, but it's it's an additional. It's additional. So you uh, most phones can have most you know phones made in the last few years can have um, up uh, at least two eSIMs. Um, some can even do three eSIMs, which is I'm not sure. There must be circumstances for people who travel a lot where that would be necessary. But I can you can do uh, two eSIMs and you can switch back and forth between them in the uh, in the settings. And you can say, you know, this is my primary and this is my secondary and you know, switch between whichever one has the better signal or turn off this one now because I'm now in an area that this doesn't work well in and turn on the turn on the, 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 the secondary eSIM and just use that while I'm here. Uh, it's really, again, it really works great. I, I, there's this one camp that we go to all the time with the, the uh, scouts and I was, I would always be offline and not that I need to be you know surfing Facebook, but I want to like message the other, you know, scout leader across camp or, you know, that's really, or I want to, you know, tell my wife at home that we're going to be late coming back or that sort of thing. I want to be connected that at least that much. And so uh, having that ability to get online was important to me. And so um, check it out. Mm. Uh, this, you know, there are, the Nomad isn't the only one like this, but this is the one that I've used that I've had good, good luck with. Um, Nomad, get nomad.app 
is the the site and uh yeah it's it's a it's a different way of using these e-sims most people think of it just traveling overseas but i think you know it can be very useful traveling inside your country as well very cool so and uh that'll do it for us this time and we'd love to get your feedback on anything we talked about today yeah which you can do by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Send an email to technology at sqpn.com. Visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. You can find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at starquest.fm slash TEC244. Write a review of the show in Apple Podcasts or any of the podcast directories that allow it. And please share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow this community and reach more listeners. Until next time, Pat Scott, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Glad to be here. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest. <laughs>